Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. Y'all doing all right? Yeah, it's good to be in the house of God today. Yes? Today, uh, just kind of heads up, if you're taking notes, I have loads of scripture I want to give you today. Truthfully, I have uh, probably more to say today than I have time, so bear with me. Give me grace. Smile at me a lot. If you say amen, I'll preach faster. Amen? So... um, yeah, so anyways, it is uh, sort of an unusual message, uh, but I believe Jesus wants to talk to you. I'm not here to answer all the questions that I think he wants to ask you, but I think if you lean into him, he'll talk to you, and he'll start answering them for you, amen? So I believe there's some divine appointments in this today. I don't say that lightly, uh, but, but I do believe that it depends on your faith uh, to lean in to get hungry to want to hear him, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. Father, we declare that we are people of your presence. God, we declare that we're people who desire to be led by the Spirit. And so, Lord, today we choose to lean in, to get hungry, to have faith, to believe that you are speaking to us today. God, you said, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And so, Lord, today we declare that is us, that we are hearing from you. And God, that you're speaking. And Lord, that when we leave this place, uh, that we are going to leave, as I said, a refreshed and courage and a little bit lighter because of what you've spoken to us today. Jesus, we thank you for the anointing. We thank you for life change in this place today. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, if you were here last week, uh, then you might remember Pastor Brian's sermon. Uh, he entitled it this. It's, it was simply this, out with the old in with the new. Now, at the core of his message, uh, he talked about the process that they've been going through as a family uh, by making the decision to sell the family farm, right, and all the domino effects that have kind of fallen since, which really required them uh, to get rid of some old things like his beloved vest that he talked about uh, so that they could embrace the new thing that God's doing in their lives. Now, obviously, by sharing all that, all he was doing was inviting all of us, uh, right, to get a, to just kind of get a glimpse of the journey of faith that they've been on and the lessons that they're learning along the way. But but I, I don't know about you, but as I listened to the podcast a few days ago, uh, I kept thinking this, and I believe it's Pastor Brian's point, that if we're ever going to be out with the old and in with the new, then it will require two things from us. The first thing is this, is it will require our willingness to move forward. Somebody say move forward. The second thing it will require is our willingness to embrace a six-letter word that most of us in this room struggle with, and that's called change. Somebody say change. Oh, I felt the faith in that. All right. You see, it's our willingness in those two areas that not only allow us to live with an open hand so divine exchange between us and God can happen, but it's also, and maybe more importantly, it's taking that posture that allows us to stay current with God in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to stay current with God in my life. Amen? I don't want God to be three miles ahead of me and me still sitting back here having a pity party. Yeah? I want to be walking with Him. Amen? Amen. I said, if y'all, if y'all get with me, I'll preach quicker today. All right, so listen, uh, with that being said, if 44 years of life has taught me anything, it's this, is that people react or respond uh, to the idea of change in different ways. And I'm going to give you two opposite ends of the spectrum. Most of us land somewhere in the middle, but I think you'll get the point. Now, for starters, the most common reaction I've seen over the years is people tend to resist change when it comes. 
Y'all know that's right. Listen, in fact, it would appear like most people uh, dislike change so much they don't do it. Right? For whatever reason, they found out what works for them. It doesn't matter if it's their hairstyle, their fashion, or if it's where they're at with Jesus. Man, they're comfortable, and you're going to need a crowbar to move them. Right? But through the years, I've also bumped into that uh, occasional guy or gal who loves change so much, it's like they're constantly seeking it. Once again, we're way over here, right? So when it comes to this group, the grass doesn't grow under their feet because it doesn't have time to because they're always on the move, right? It's because they're always looking for the next best thing. They're always looking for the next adventure. And it's kind of like if I could describe these folks, it's like the idea of sitting still and the idea of getting bored are their uh, greatest fears in life. But I want you to know today that when it comes to life change, neither heart posture, resisting or just going crazy, seeking change like that, that neither one of those are correct. And the reason they're not correct is because there's spiritual dangers and there's pitfalls that are found in both of them. For example, you know, those who resist change, what happens with those guys is they tend to get stuck in their, their ways so much that it nullifies God's voice in their life. Like in spite of God's desire to blow the wind of his spirit in their cells, uh, you know, so they can move forward, they've already made the decision that where they're at, yep, it's good enough. So they lower their cells, right, assuring nothing beyond life's tragedies will, will make them move, right? And so truth be told, many Christians, at least this is my opinion, many Christians today have been so dead in the water for so long that they become stagnant or what we would like to say or what we often refer to is they're, they're basically in a spiritual rut, that that's where they're living, now, listen, a telltale sign that someone has grown stagnant is this, is that any time you find them or hear them talking about God, they are constantly referring to what God did in them and through them in years past. Right? Like, nothing's new because why? Because they're not current with God. Right? So all they keep doing is airing spiritual reruns. So while they may talk, it looks like, once again, they have an appearance of being alive, but the reality is they aren't. They're still, they're, they're basically, they're in a rut. If you've ever met a person like that, say, oh, yeah. All right, listen, let me give you an example. In our old church in Louisiana, this was years and years ago, there was this sweet elderly man. Uh, it really didn't matter who you were. Every time you talked to this man or any time he talked to someone, uh, he would always bring up how he helped build the church and how he did this or how he did that 50 years ago. I'm not lying to you. Okay? To be honest with you, I heard those stories, uh, same stories, over and over, Sunday after Sunday, so much that I could finish the man's sentences. It's truth. Listen, but I'll never get the Sunday morning when, when clearly Jennifer uh, had her feel of his uh, accomplishments of the past, right? And I stood there, and I want you to know, I, I stood there as an innocent bystander in this, Okay. <laughs> When, when my, uh, you know, at that time we were, we were just engaged, but when my young, sweet, 20-year-old fiancé uh, let him finish his same old story, but before he could draw another breath to launch out into his next old story, she asked him, she looked at him in a smile, right, said, that's great, but what have you done for him lately? Now, being where I'm from, right, the great state of Alabama, you can only imagine how quick my jaw hit the floor when she said that. Because why? Because we were raised, you don't ever say anything like that to an adult. Right? But what happened next, once again, I'm an innocent bystander in this. I watched one of the saddest things I've ever seen, and that was this, that he didn't have an answer for her. Right? He just stood there dumbfounded. Why? It was because he, like so many other Christians today, uh, had become so comfortable uh, in what took place in the past, and now they've stopped, and they've grown stagnant, and now they're stale. If you're with me, say, yeah. yeah. 
Listen, I'm here to tell you that uh, the danger in resisting change is not only do we become spiritually stale, but we also stop bearing fruit. Please don't miss that. We stop bearing fruit for the king. Listen, if I could give one more thought concerning change uh, that I think we can all relate to. I think we can all connect to this. Uh, we all know in 2020, uh, obviously, uh, you know, overnight our world turned upside down like it turned on a dime, right, because of COVID. And uh, when it initially started, depending on our profession, uh, our life either came to a dead standstill or uh, it sped up so fast we felt like we got drugged through a knothole, Right. Now, the wild part is this, and it's just kind of part I want to highlight, is when this happened, especially in our nation, because where we live, uh, we watched workplaces, schools, sporting events, and churches close while riots broke out in the streets, right? People lost their ever-loving mind, right? They started fighting and arguing about anything and everything, and, and political unrest turned into division maybe more than we've ever seen in our lives, Right, So much so that that division poured out of D.C., obviously through media outlets, but, but it landed in almost every neighborhood in our nation. Like, I would love to say that the church wasn't affected by it, but it was. Okay? And, and so, listen, to put it kindly, uh, man, everything was an absolute mess. It got ugly. Like, for me, I don't know about you, but all of that changed relationships for me. There's relationships I had before that that I do not have anymore. Because why? Because the devil got in the mix and he just jacked things up. Okay? Now, here's the thought that I want to give you. I don't know about you, but uh, here's what I noticed when all that craziness was happening. Um, no one ever had the decency, the courtesy, to call me, text me, email me, and ask me if it was okay for any of that change to happen. <laughs> What's my point? If we are naturally a person who resists change in this room, we need to understand that change will never ask us for permission. Right? It's just part of this life, and yes, it's even part of our journey with Jesus. Right? Change is inevitable, so we can either learn how to embrace it in a godly fashion and move with Him, or we can continue to resist it. Right? Like, like if we can, let's just let the knowledge of, of what's at stake seek in today. And it's this, is that we serve an unstoppable God who is always moving, but it's up to us if we move with him or not. Yes? Will we stay alive in Jesus? Amen? All right, now let me give a caution. Once again, that's this side. Let me give a caution to the other side, those who are constantly seeking change. This is from my point of view. You may see it different. If you do, that's cool. But in my opinion, when it comes to this group of people, it appears like God is speaking so much, he's now contradicting himself. In, in fact, if, if, like, if Jesus would just show up and go to a counselor, he would probably be diagnosed with a mild form of schizophrenia. Because he is telling so many people so many different things. He's changed his mind so much. He's got these folks running in all these different directions. Have you ever met that person? You may point out some of those people to you. <laughs> now listen, don't misunderstand me. Because here's where I think we get confused with this type of person. Because on the outside, it appears like there's loads of excitement, loads of passions, person's life. But the reality is, is they haven't sit, sat still long enough, like they haven't stayed on the altar enough to let God actually do a mature work in them. Right? Listen, because no other reason than this. It's like, it's like because they haven't sat in his presence, had an open heart, and said, Jesus, do whatever you want to do in me. I'm not moving until you change me. What happens is, is when people are like that, when they're constantly going everywhere, uh, they will con continue to struggle with this fantastic word called contentment. 
right? And what happens is, is they continue to run around the body of Christ and, and wound people because they are not healed themselves. Right? So once again, from the outside, it looks like there's loads of movement, loads of energy, but the reality is they have little foundation to speak of. Their character is undeveloped. They don't know how to serve. They don't know how to sacrifice for others. And the real issue is this, is they're on the move so much they're not planted. And because they're not planted, they don't bear fruit because their roots are too shallow. Am I making sense? Listen, I'm not trying to pick on anybody this morning, but I'm trying to caution us because, because listen, if we're constantly, if we're in this room, we're constantly seeking change, that we are, that we lack contentment so much, and God's telling us this one day and that the next day and this the next day, that I want you to know at the end of the day, you're no different than those people who aren't moving. At the end of the day, here's the, here's the, the, the equal common denominator, neither one is bearing fruit, right? Neither one's bearing mature, lasting fruit that Jesus called us to bear, can I get an amen on that? All right. So here's really the point is, is, listen, while this group may resemble a mooring, right, and this group may resemble a kite, a windstorm, what I want us all to see at the end of the day when it comes to the word change is Jesus has something better for us. He has something better for us, which means we tr- shouldn't shy away from change and we shouldn't try to outrun change. Right At the end of the day, our goal should be to get in stride with God and move at His pace. How many of you guys know maturity recognizes God moves at different speeds and different seasons? Right, You need to move with God at His pace uh, because that's the only way we're ultimately changed and we move forward in Him. All right, so listen, my opinion, some of you guys have heard me refer to this before, but, but when it comes to getting in stride with God, listen, I know no better biblical example than what we see in the book of Daniel, okay? In chapter 3, we see the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're, they're thrown in the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar throws them in the fire, and, and what happened? He said, look, there's one that appears as the Son of Man. It was a Christophany. It was Jesus. Christ appeared in the fire with them, and if you remember at that moment, if you read the story, it doesn't say that the Hebrew boy sat down and had a pity party and wine and shied away from walking with Jesus. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that they said, Woo, it's too hot in here. We got to get out of here and took off running. It didn't say that either. It simply says this that they got in stride and that they walked with him step by step. That's what it says. And because they walked with him step by step, found the rhythm, found the stride, they were ultimately rescued from King Nebuchadnezzar. What's my point? It's simply this that's what God wants for us. Right, That we'll follow his lead wherever he takes us. If that's selling the family farm or getting rid of an old vest, are we willing to do it? The answer is yes, Jesus, we are. Amen? If there's a yes in our heart, there's obedience in our heart, that God, wherever you want us to go, we're going to go. Because we know no matter how difficult or how glorious it might be, you're never going to leave us. Right? I'd rather be with him than without him. <laughs> Amen? All right. So with all that said, I, I just think this. Once again, I'm just kind of setting the foundation for where we're going. But I believe that it might be helpful for all of us in this room to just go and settle in our hearts uh, today that God is always desiring to move us forward. Always. He's always desiring to move us forward. Once again, there may be times where he says, stand still for a moment, right? So we can rest, so we can regroup, so we can refocus, so we can get fresh vision, and maybe so we can celebrate. But at the end of the day, he'll never let us settle there, right? He's moving forward, and so should we. I'm going to say this a whole lot today because I want it to stick to you. So listen, in fact, if we could just kind of have this vision today, that, that whatever 
your next forward is in life, because we all have one, that, that that's the gateway that puts us in position for the next forward in our lives, right? Which so happens to be the gateway that positions us or leads us to the next forward in our life, which leads us to the next forward in life, which leads us to the next forward in life, and so on. Are you seeing this? So if you can imagine, it's like walking uh, through one doorway after another. And we all have to understand that if there's four doorways here, if I don't go through the first one, I'll never make it through the fourth one. But so many of us, what happens is as things in life happen and we just sit down and we never get to the doorways that God wants us to. In fact, some of us are being delayed even at this point because we haven't been willing to change. God wants us up there and we're still here because we're still complaining about something. That wasn't for you. That was for your neighbor. <laughs> so, listen, to affirm what I'm talking about here, did, did you know that the word forward in the Hebrew language actually means this? I never knew this. It, it means journey by stages. Journey by stages. See, that's why the Bible says this in Numbers 33. I wish we had time to break this down, but we don't. But it says this in Numbers 33.1. It says, here are the stages and the journey of the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. Once again, please recognize in the same way that he delivered them from bondage, he delivered you and he delivered me from bondage. Okay, so listen, it goes on to say that God commanded Moses to write out each one of those stages or write out each one of those cities down. So if you actually read through Numbers 33, you'll see all 42. Now, it's because of that, uh, those 42 stages that they had to pass through, the number 42 has actually become a sacred number in the Jewish culture. Because why? Because once again, it represents the stages of life that brought about their forward movement. Now, I don't know how many stages God has for you, and I don't know how many he has for me, but the point is proven that clearly that there's some forward movement that he wants us to go through, and there's different stages in life that are beyond just elementary school, middle school, high school, college, working. There's spiritual stages that Jesus wants us to go through, but we have to be willing to walk through them. Great place to say amen. All right, so here's another unusual verse, okay? Once again, it's kind of weird, but it reveals God's desire for us to move forward, okay? It comes out of Exodus chapter 25. I'll read it, and then I'll explain it. It says, the almond buds and branches must all be of one piece with the center stem, and they must be hammered from pure gold. Then make the seven lamps for the lampstand. Can somebody say lampstand? It says, then make the seven lamps for the lampstand and set them so they reflect which way? Their light forward. Now, here's what's so cool. Obviously, if you're unfamiliar with this passage of Scripture, uh, it comes from uh, the passage where God's instructing Moses in the way he wants the tabernacle to be built and how he expects the articles in the tabernacle to be designed and placed. And, and one of those articles is obviously the lampstand we just read about, uh, which just so happened in typology or the symbols of the, of the old tabernacle, which is obviously is a reflection of the New Testament, that lampstand actually reflects God, who it meant to the Israelites, the Him being the light of the world. Okay, which obviously, fast forward in covenant language, New Testament, represents Jesus, that He is our guide, right? All of God's people for all time. So, once again, here's the cool part. Notice, once again, what direction the light is shining. It simply says this, set the lamps down so it can reflect the light forward because why as God's people he is always guiding he is always directing us to move forward that's where we're headed not backwards 
notice even this. You know, you would think, okay, that the Word of God's so cool, but you would think if a lampstand, then it's going to light 360. It's a forward light. Because why? Because he's moving forward and we got to go with him. Amen? All right, so, so with that, let me give you a few scriptures that reaffirm this truth. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I maybe went a little overboard here. I'm going to give you 10 verses, but they're good, so I'm going to read them. And uh, I like the Bible. What can I say? All right, Numbers 10. It says, when you sound the signal to move on, the tribes camped on the east side of the tabernacle must break camp and move forward. Deuteronomy 21, then the Levitical priests must step forward to minister before him and to pronounce blessing in the name of the Lord. I wish we could sit there. Ezra 5 says, the work is going forward with great energy and success. Nehemiah 9, it says, but in your great mercy you did not abandon them to die in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud still led them forward by day. Job 17:9, the righteous keep moving forward. Psalm 143, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward. Isaiah 58, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Philippians 3, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Hebrews 11 says, and so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Titus 2, I love this one, last one, says, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. Listen, we could keep going, but I think you get the point. God desires to move us where? Listen, so much so that I can't think of a single time where God tells his people to go backwards. Don't know of a single example. Right? The truth be told, listen, when we refuse to move forward or when we choose to go backwards, I want you to see how God actually looks at us. We don't talk about this a lot, but maybe we need to hear it. And if I can maybe say a bold statement... um, Every day, we're either going in one of those directions. That's the truth. We're either moving closer to Jesus or we're further away from Jesus, but it's up to us. Let me show you the verses that Jesus mentions here. Jeremiah chapter 7 says, But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. They went backward and not forward. Hebrews 10.38 says, Now the just shall live by faith. Y'all get that? Please grab a hold of that. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, if anyone goes backwards, God says, my soul has no pleasure in him. Listen, when we don't move forward in the direction God's telling us to, God views us as stubborn, and he actually says he has no pleasure in us. Gang, I know those are really strong words. Like, those are really strong, but we need to heed them. Right? Listen, the day and age we're living in, once again, we, we have overemphasized certain biblical truths so much to the detriment of other ones, okay? And, and we need to recognize that obedience is key in the kingdom, amen? All right, so with all that said, uh, I want to transition with a single question. I kind of said all that to give us a foundation, right? And I, I just want us to lean into one question, and it's this, is why would God want us to move forward? Why would God want to move us forward? Let me say it right. Why would God want to move us forward? forward if he's an intentional God who does everything on purpose why does he do this right like and here's what I want you to hear could it be for our good could it be could it be for our good let, let me let me show you a couple reasons that I hope that you'll find encouraging today the first reason I believe there's many but I'm only going to give you five so you can breathe okay 
the first reason God would tell us to do this is, number one, is because moving forward is God's way of dealing with our enemy. I'm, I'm going to faith preach to you today, okay? Listen, moving forward is God's way of dealing with our enemy. Listen, the best biblical example of this, no doubt, comes from the book of Exodus. Most of us in the room know the story. Uh, to kind of set stage here. We know that the children of Israel have been in slavery for hundreds of years, right? And then one day God comes along and he taps Moses on the shoulder and he anoints him and he calls him to be their deliverer, right? So what follows after that are ten brutal plagues on the Egyptians. After the tenth plague, Pharaoh finally said, enough is enough. We release you guys to go. You, you can leave, right? You're no longer in slavery. Uh, but in relatively a short period of time, uh, Pharaoh changed his mind, decided to go with his army and actually pursue the Israelites to kill them. Now, if you fast forward the story, the Egyptians caught up with the Israelites. And, and as they reached, what, the shores of the Red Sea. Once again, we know the story. We've seen Prince of Egypt, right? And uh, so, listen, putting them directly in, for uh, lack of a better term, the kill zone between the Egyptian army and the sea, right? And that brings us to our verse here in Exodus 14, verse 13. Y'all, please grab a hold of this and let Jesus talk to you. It said, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Stand, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. God, I love that. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people to get moving. Tell them to go forward, right? Pick up your staff. Let me maybe stop. Because to go backward is to run into the enemy. Some of y'all, y'all keep running to the enemy because you're not going forward. You keep going back in your past, Right? And you, and you fence, you hurt, you whatever, your mistakes, your regrets, and you keep running to the enemy, and you wonder why you can't get victory. It's because you're running in the wrong direction, okay? Verse 16 says, pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed. Don't miss that last part. Fast forward to verse 21. It says, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the waters with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turned the seabed into dry land, so that the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians chased them into the middle of the sea. Uh, listen, it, to just kind of fast forward. Basically, the Egyptians got in the middle of the sea, and the Bible says that God actually twisted uh, the wheels of their chariots to, to actually make it really difficult for them to, to uh, continue to move at a forward speed. In other words, it made it difficult for them to drive the chariots, so ultimately he was just slowing them down. And then it says that basically when that happens, when they recognize it, I, I don't know why it took them to this point to recognize it, but the Egyptians began to shout, the Lord is fighting for them. Okay? And then it says this in verse 26. It says, when all the Israelites had reached the other side, every man, every woman, right, every child, old and young, when they got over to the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again, then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians. So Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the waters rushed back into its usual place, and the Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Not a single one survived. Cool story. Yeah, I want you to know that it doesn't matter how the enemy attacks us. It doesn't matter how, right? 
When we feel like our backs are against the wall, the last thing that you and I ever need to do is sit down and have a pity party. Right? We need to, this is faith, keep moving forward, keep pressing in by faith in prayer. Keep declaring God's word by faith in prayer over our lives. Why? Because we need to believe that the Lord Almighty is going to do what? He's going to fight for us just like he fought for Israel. So if you can hear me today, I want to just simply remind you that God doesn't want to appease your problem. He don't want to entertain your problem. Okay, that's what your friends do on Facebook. Right? Listen, he doesn't even really want to fix your problem. What I want you to see through the scripture is he wants to destroy your problem. Okay? I love what the Bible says in Psalms. It says he will perfect that which concerns me. In other words, he'll bring it to completion. He will bring it to an end. Why? By destroying the doggone thing. All we have to do is do what? Is move forward in the direction he tells us to move in. Now, listen, I'm going to go ahead and tell you when he tells you to move. Get ready for this. When, he, when you're having a problem, when you are being attacked, and he tells you to move, go ahead and just get in your head. It's probably not going to make a whole lot of sense what he tells you to do. It rarely does. Like, like if we could step back in the story. Remember, Moses hadn't seen Charleston Heston, you know, play in the Ten Commandment movie yet. Play his part, right? Like, he hadn't seen, like he hadn't seen that. So listen, he had never seen a sea divided before. Y- y'all do realize, he, like we're reading the Bible, we have the luxury of that. He didn't have that. He wrote part of it, right? And so listen, it probably didn't make a whole lot of sense to him either, yet he obeyed, right? And, and that is all God is asking us to do today. Look, I can tell you from personal experience that if we obey, God will take care of the rest. I have felt like, man, the enemy has sat on my chest before and I mean, that much pressure, and I've just done what God has said, and I've watched him deliver me. 20 plus years, I've seen God move. Anybody got a testimony in here that said, yeah, I can see that. Amen. Second reason God will tell us to move is because this, is because moving forward is one of the ways God heals our pain. It's one of the ways he heals our pain. Let me show you a story here. It's in 1 Samuel. Uh, if you read kind of before this For chapter 15, you'll find that the people of Israel wanted a king. Uh, God begrudgingly gave them the king, and he gave them King Saul, and Saul uh, was a disaster, okay? So there was a day that Samuel went, and he laid hands on, on, uh, on Saul, and he anointed him to be king. It went okay for a bit, and then pride came in, and the fear of man came in, and then it was a train wreck. And, and this, what we're about to read, is on the hills of when God told him basically to go kill all those people, kill the king, kill all the animals, and he didn't fully obey. Okay? We'll leave it there. First Samuel 15, verse 34. Then Samuel, remember that's the prophet who anointed him. Then Samuel went home to Ramah, and Saul returned to his house at Gibeah. Listen, these two towns are 10 miles apart. Ten miles. And watch what the next words. Samuel never went to meet with Saul again, but he mourned constantly for him. Now listen, the Bible doesn't tell us how long he mourned for, right? Like it doesn't tell us. Uh, But obviously it was long enough that God had to say this in chapter 16, verse 1. It says, now the Lord said to Samuel, once again, we don't know how long, but God has said this. How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil, and go, I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. 
for I provided myself a king among his sons. In other words, uh, God said this, Samuel, enough is enough. Some of us need to hear that today. Enough is enough. It's time to move forward, right? By making the choice to move forward, what happened? God brought Samuel's mourning to an end. I know that's so, so simple. But listen, some of us need to hear simple. <laughs> Amen? Listen, let me give you an example. Last week, uh, I was actually in the Denver airport waiting for group four to be called so I get on the airplane. And, and I was just kind of standing there right in the last group. And, and I overheard an older gentleman who was sitting, I don't know, maybe like eight feet from me, uh, say that he was a senior pastor right? He was senior pastor for over 30 years, but he had recently retired. Now him and his wife was taking the money they had, and they were going to do some traveling. And so he just kind of kept talking to this guy. And uh, once he finished the conversation, I, I leaned over. I was just curious. And I asked him, hey, uh, excuse me, sir, where did you pastor at? And, and he said, uh, you know, I pastored in this, and he named the town. It's in northern Colorado. And uh, then without, please don't miss this, then without any prompting from me, this guy launched into details of how the people in that church they pastored for 30 years, and the leaders in his denomination that he was a pastor in for 30 years had wronged him. Like I stood there kind of shocked. Uh, I was so surprised what I was hearing because, because here's why. This man didn't know me from Adam. Like I could have been an awful heathen needing salvation, but all he wanted to talk about was what? It's just all of his pain. Like he unloaded his pain. He unloads offenses. And to me, it was crystal clear that I wasn't the first person hearing it. Right? So after a couple of minutes of him pointing the finger at a bunch of other people and declaring his innocence, he was really good at that, uh, I finally leaned over. I had to interrupt him. And I leaned over and I put my hand on his shoulder and I said this. I said, sir, uh, I'm a pastor too. It's obvious you've been hurt and offended and I know this guy that lives in a town near him, so I said it. I said, you know, he's an incredible man of God. I would encourage you to go talk to him because I think he could help you. When I said that, he did what so many pastors do. He, he, he tried to act like he was okay. Like, oh, I mean, like it wasn't that big of a deal. And, and so I leaned over again. I touched him on the shoulder. I said, sir, I realize that we as pastors have a really hard time talking to others. Right? And that we tend to act like we got it all together. Would you please go find someone or go to that man I just mentioned because I think you need help. Needless to say, group four got called and he ran for me like the plague. <laughs> but what was going on with this, this guy at that moment? He was mourning. He was mourning. You see, a sure sign that we're still mourning is, is we tell everyone we can, including complete strangers, about our pain. Right? We repeat the same story over and over again, or, or maybe we don't tell anyone. We're, we're just really good at hiding it, concealing it, but we're constantly thinking about it, rehearsing and replaying the situation in our heads continuously. Uh, that's a sure sign we're stuck, gang. Right? And, and so with all that said, I just want to ask today... You know, and this is where the Holy Spirit's got to talk to you, but, but is there anything or anyone you're still mourning over today? Is there anything or anyone you're still mourning over today? Listen, maybe it's church hurt like that man in the airport, or, or maybe it's connected to a, a divorce, maybe it's sexual abuse, maybe it's an abortion, failure, regret, a relationship in a badly. Look, I, I don't know, okay? I don't know. Just trying to get your wheels turning. But whatever the case may be, I want you to know that the way of healing is forward, not backwards. 
right? Like, like this may be too much of a play on words, but I want you to notice what the Gospel of Mark says in Mark chapter 3. It simply says this, For he, Jesus, had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. You see, the idea here is this, is that everyone who pressed forward, they got healed, right? But there's no doubt those people that drew back, those people that turned around and went the other way, uh, man, they, they didn't get healed, right? Like, like so all I'm saying is, can we surrender our hurt today, and can we run towards him so we can live again? Amen? All right, let me give you one more thought here, because I feel like I need to say this. Um, I just want to add this. If we're sitting here today and what we're mourning over is maybe not another person or situation with another person, uh, but what we're mourning over is our own sin, right? It's a sin that we committed and you're looking at, man, there's no way that I can move forward. Uh, I just want to remind you of this, please, that, that in Genesis chapter 3, even after Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't leave them there. Like, listen, in spite of their disobedience of all disobedience, sin of all sins, the original sin that God still made a way for them to move forward. How do you do that? We know when we read the Bible that obviously he, um, he killed an innocent animal, that blood was shed, he took the sin, and he covered Adam and Eve's nakedness with it. With it. Uh, you know, we all know that that's a typology of Christ, that fast forward, right? All those years, Jesus came, and he, in, in spite of all of our sinful actions, man, he, he died. He hung on the cross, right? And we were singing about it earlier. It's the power of his blood. And that blood still not only has the ability to make you clean, but also has the ability to cover any unrighteousness in your life. That's so why the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. So what I'm trying to say is this, is Jesus has already provided a way forward for you. So don't believe the lie that you're stuck in that sin. Amen? All right. Y'all doing all right? Me too. Third reason God would tell us to move is this, is because moving forward is God's way of redirecting us. Somebody say redirect. Moving forward is God's way of redirecting us. Now let me kind of set this point by saying this, as I don't want you to miss this. Not every time that God wants us to move forward is because something is wrong. I'll explain a little better. You're looking at me like, what am I saying? Let me show you what I mean. All right, if you look at the book of Ruth, right, chapter 1, it simply begins by telling us this, that there was a severe famine in the land of Judah. I'm abbreviating this for you. And that a Jewish couple named uh, Elimelech and Naomi with her two sons, left Judah and moved to Moab. And it was there in Moab, Moab that their two sons married two Moabite women, right? Fast forward in the story, Naomi's husband and two sons died, okay? So that left her with her daughter-in-laws, Orpah, right, and Ruth. Now, the Bible doesn't say how long that they lived in that situation, just three single women, but, but it says this, it says that a day came when they heard that the famine was over in Judah, and so Naomi decided to return home, and in doing so, she encouraged her daughter-in-law. She said, look, basically, I can't have uh, two sons for you, and then you wait till that, day. like, it, it, like, it ain't going to work for us to stay. You need to go uh, remarry, and you need to move on with your life, and so they had these discussions, cried a whole lot, and at the end of the day, Orpah decided to, to stay in Moab, Moab and find a husband there. But uh, Ruth said, no, 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 no. I go where you go. Your God will be my God. I love that portion of scripture. 
But it brings us to this point. Here's what I want you to see. In Ruth chapter 1 verse 14. It says, Then they, those three women, lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Gang, when it's time to move forward, we need to have discernment to know what we should cling to and what we should kiss goodbye. Listen, once again, don't miss this. I think there's sometimes is this, there's this perception in the church that change always has to be breaking away from something bad, but it's not. Right? Orpah wasn't an issue or a problem for Naomi. Can we agree with that? Listen, they, they loved each other, they had a healthy relationship, but they still needed to part ways if both of them were going to be able to go forward in life. Now, with that said, and this is just me being a Bible nerd, but li- listen, something I find really interesting, if you look at the name Orpah, it means this, it means gazelle, it means gazelle, but it also means this, it means stiff-necked. Listen, we all know that gazelles are known for what? Running really, really fast, Right? And the term being stiff-necked refers to a person being opposed or standing in opposition to what God is wanting to accomplish. But watch this. On the other hand, you can see uh, there, next slide, Ruth actually means friendship or compassionate friend. Good name. It's my grandmother's name. Listen, you see, this is where we have to trust when when we get in the spot, right? And that God's saying move forward, that we need to... We need to trust that God knows what or who will either be our friend or oppose us in our next season. I hope you're listening. Not everything that's good in our present is meant to follow us into our future. If I can, if I can maybe say this, watch this. So often we say sin is, you know, sexual sin, you know, Excessive drinking, drugs, right? Like we got our adultery, we, we like murder, we lying, like we got our list, right? We got these categories. So here's what I'm trying to say, that if God spoke to Pastor Brian and the family, sell the family farm, and they refuse, that's sin. Doesn't seem like sin to everybody else. It seems like a good thing. We're keeping this in the family. If they didn't obey, it's sin. If God tells you to get rid of an old ratty vest, and you don't, it's sin. See, see, some of us have justified our decisions and made excuses for them because it doesn't fit the church box of what sin is. But you need to realize that God views it way different. And if it's disobedience, it's sin. Amen? Because it keeps us from moving forward with Him. So on that note, I want to ask a question. What or who do you need to kiss goodbye today? What, what do you need to kiss goodbye? Yeah? All right, let's stick with this idea that uh, when God moves us forward, it isn't always uh, something that's quote-unquote bad. Let me show you two more, and we'll be out of here. The fourth reason God would tell us to move is because moving forward is God's way of restoration. Like, is there anybody in here that likes to see God restore some things? Yeah, Jesus' name. Watch 1 Samuel chapter 30. It says, when David and his men arrived home, at their town in Ziklag, it says they found that the Amalekites had made a raid, and in doing so, they had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. It said they had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but with, without killing anyone. <coughs> it says when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. 
David's two wives were among those captured, and David was now in great danger. Don't you love it when you've been leading? David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk about stoning him. You sure you want to be in leadership? It says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. It says, then he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. It says, then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. In other words, David, you got the green light to go forward. It says, you will surely do what? Recover everything that was taken from you. Gang, like David, I'm just saying this, that if we want to see God restore what the enemy has stolen from us, then we need to stop crying, bickering, fighting, and threatening like his mighty men, right? Instead, we need to boldly approach the throne of heaven and ask God which direction he wants us to head in, in prayer and in our actions. Listen, if we do this, I believe God can restore and recover anything, don't miss this last part, he desires to bring back to you. Some of us are mourning for things that needed to go. God's not interested in restoring that. But man, if there's a broken situation, let me just say what I feel in my heart. If there's a broken relationship between you and your child, I promise you God wants to restore that. Amen? So on that note, let me just ask, what has been stolen from you that you need to recover today? You're not going to be able to recover it by... By acting like David's men, just pointing the finger. Okay, it's recovered through prayer. It's recovered by standing your ground against the enemy and declaring what the word of God said. Great place to say amen. All right, the fifth reason God will tell us to move is because of this. It's because moving forward is God's way of unlocking our identity and calling. I like the other four points. But, but this is the one that I probably would like to see happen the most in church and God's people, okay? That, that our identity and our calling would be unlocked in Him. And the reason I say that is because a lot of us, and me included, man, we live way below who God's called us to be, right? So watch this verse, Matthew 4, most of us can quote this. It says, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net in the water. It said, for they fish for a living. That was their identity. It said, Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. That's the new identity, the new calling. It says, and they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. I really like this passage. Because here's why. Here's what we can all grab from this. It's because as soon as these four guys lay down their nets and decided to move forward in Jesus, their identity and their purpose in Christ was unlocked. Let me just say what I feel in my heart this moment. When we've been in a certain position in life for so long, let's say we have a particular, particular occupation, particular job, so often that's where we find our identity and it's what we do. And we got to recognize that Jesus may want to shift that. I'm not saying he wants to change your job. He may want to. But, but um, if that job has become your God, then he will. But, but you need to understand that that's not who your identity is, that you have a greater identity and a greater purpose in him, but you got to release some nets, some control of some things, so, so you can step into it. In other words, you need to exchange the old for the new. Am I making sense? 
Because their, their decision to move forward to obey Jesus unlocked their God-given destiny that would otherwise remain hidden if they would have just kept tossing nets. Right? In fact, I, I saw this the other day, and it just stuck out to me. There was a quote that, that I don't even, it was just some random dude. He said this. He said, your new life will cost you your old one. I was like, I like that. Your new life will cost you your old one. Sometimes we need to bury some things. Amen. Amen. So on that note, could it be possible this morning that God is wanting to unlock something in your life today? Could it be possible that there's a new identity and a new purpose in him that you haven't stepped into yet? Amen. Can you all stand to your feet? Can you just close your eyes? Just close your eyes and just listen. We'll see where we go. Isaiah 42, 9 says this. It says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Isaiah 43 says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Somebody say a new thing. It says, Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Hear that last part. For you guys that go, I don't know which way to go. God says, He'll make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. Good news. Let me reaffirm some things in you. The Bible says that God will freely give you everything you need. All you have to do is ask. God's word already says he's got big plans for your life. It's it's plans that obviously uh, bring fulfillment, right? God says he's for you, not against you. He said he'll complete the work that he began in you. He said that he's the author and the finisher of your faith. He said that once again, he'll make your path straight if you just trust him. And then we need you to know this, because really the, the just live by faith, the righteous live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so if you can have faith, God will honor your faith. Amen. So like I said two weeks ago, we value around here, we value your next step. But I want you to know that whatever your next step is, it is in a forward direction, and that forward direction will require you to have faith. If you don't have faith, it won't work, because everything in God operates through love and faith. Amen? Amen. Can you throw your hands in the air, comfortable with it or not? Throw them in the air. Amen. Jesus, we simply, I'm not asking today, God, we're declaring today, God, with our hands up, God, we simply say that we are releasing the old. Whatever it is, whatever we've been mourning, whatever we've been holding on to, uh, Lord, whatever, uh, you know, that, that just hurt, offense, whatever that needs to go, God, we let go of the old so we can receive the new. Father, we pray for a divine exchange to happen in this place today. Father, we pray for a breakthrough. We pray for a breaking, God, so people can run and so they can live again. Father, we declare today that we are a people who uh, want to walk with you, so we embrace change. We embrace change. We embrace spiritual growth. We embrace development. We embrace holiness. We embrace uh, loving you with a whole heart. God, we embrace all that's in your word because we want to go with you. 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 So, Lord, I believe that you've spoken things to people. And, Lord, whatever you spoke to them in here, Lord, we thank you those things are being released. Whatever needs to be restored, we thank you that they're being restored. Father, whatever needs to be made whole, we declare that people are being made whole in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that healing is in the room, that joy is in the room, that peace is in the room, that your presence is in the room, that the kingdom of heaven is in the room. God, everything that you have available for us, everything that Jesus died for is available in the room. So we grab a hold of it by faith today in your name. Lord, if we're 
we're in this place today and we're not right with you, Lord, we thank you that all we have to do is say, Jesus, save me, forgive me, make me new, make me whole. God, and you have the great way of rescuing us. So, Lord, today we give you all that we are. We give you our past, we give you our present, and we give you our future. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.